your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to ATP. James here, joined as always by Ryan and Alex. We're here to do a little bit of a check-in on Everton FC. We were in the midst of the international break. Everton return to action next weekend against Manchester City. And on this episode, we wanted to take a little bit of a statistical dive into Everton's performance to date through the 2021-22 season and see how we stack up year over year, what players are maybe overperforming, what players are underperforming, and how's the team doing overall. So let's uh, let's get right into it, and we'll start. Ryan put some interesting numbers together, so he's going to take the reins on this one a little bit and, and steer us through, and we'll have some good dialogue throughout. Yeah, we're going to start real basic here. So uh, just looking at the table figures, um, points, you know, last year at this time after 11 matches, we were ninth. Um this year, we're in 11th. We had 17 points last year, 15 this year. We were two goals better last year. Goal differential sits at zero this year. About right. I mean, what do you guys think? That's that's I kind of I mean, I, I actually think that's thinking about the torrid start that we had last year. We were really on fire for a while. We we kind of we were starting to come down to earth at this point, I think a little bit. Now we picked it up again and probably got some results we didn't deserve after this point. But I think we're doing okay. Yeah, is that fair? I mean, okay. Yeah, I'd say overall. I mean, you know, you lay out the numbers and you say it's slightly disappointing to say that you're behind last year, especially having to pick ourselves up by the bootstraps after hiring Rafa when Don Carlo walked away. I shouldn't say his name on the pod. Um, No, no, it's okay. You can say his name. Just don't say the other guy's name. All right. right, right. That guy. Yeah, the man whose name shall not be mentioned on the pod. Nonetheless, I feel like, yeah, as you said, um, very hot start last season. Um, we've got, a, we had a couple of players missing specifically this season when compared to last season, I think made a big difference. Um, but overall, I, I think something to build on for sure. What about you, James? Yeah, I think overall it, it feels very similar and the, the numbers back it up. That said, there are some glaring differences in how Everton have both scored and conceded goals this season, which I think are kind of telling and the differences between the two managers and the, the styles of play that they've employed. Yeah, I think that's fair. So when we look at the attack first and we've broken it down by open play corners, penalty set pieces and like direct free kicks, uh, a couple of things stand out. We scored 20 goals at this point last year, only 16 this year. Um, you know, XG's about difference by that much too. I feel like it was around two or three. So it's about same ballpark. So we're definitely generating a little bit more offense or we did last year. Uh, open play differences is, is only two. Um, this year, we've already had three penalties. Uh, we only had one uh, at this point last year. And I don't know how many we ended up with, but not many. Not more than like two. It was no, crazy. Yeah, it was really kind of crazy. But, you know, last year we also had scored three times off set pieces uh, and three times off corners already. We've only scored twice off corners now a lot we'll get to the defending set pieces in a second but i think some people are forgetting that we attacked set pieces really well last year so i'm kind of curious what your feeling is of it is it and maybe some of its personnel alex so what your point is right we're going to get to that in a second but 
I don't know if that's tactical or not. Is it service? I got to admit, I get this feeling when I watch that our service this year, even though I know Damari Gray can serve a ball. I know Dean can serve a ball, but he hasn't been. I know Townsend can cross a ball. I think it's been a little disappointing. I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't remember thinking like last year at this point, I felt like every single time we took a set piece, there was a chance it might go in. You know, I don't have that feeling this year. I don't know how you guys feel. Yeah, I think I think there was a big difference, noticeably, even just set up and specifically. On, I know I know we've talked about set up defensively, but even offensively, um, I know last year, for example, something that sticks out is uh, either Michael Keane or Dominic Calvert-Lewin running near post and then the opposite number, you know, kind of on the far post and looking for the flick on, um, which was pretty dangerous last season in general. Definitely. I think I think to, to be honest, I think that the biggest factors would be missing David Ancelotti specifically working on set pieces with the team. I think he did a good job and that was pretty noticeable because two years ago, right? That was not the same story. It was a pretty magnificent flip last year specifically. Um, I think the other, other bigger contributing factors are our personnel. And, and then obviously, as you said, service specifically Lucas Dean, I mean, he's got a, a hell of a left foot and we haven't quite seen it this year yet. I thought we were, were, I felt like we were more aggressive last year too. I've nothing, I've nothing to back that out, but I really felt like we were attacking you know, th- maybe even throwing more numbers. Uh, we had more year. spirit. <laughs> there it is. Wow. It took, what time is it? How, we, should, we need to like, <laughs> we made it like five time, minutes into the show. Time stamp that every day. It was you too, man. I would. That's <laughs> awesome. Anyway. No, Hamas, what do you think? I mean, do you have that feeling too? I just, may, I think it was the service though. Really? I, I, probably I do. Personnel, I, I don't know. I agree. It feels like this season we are, I mean, we had Hamas taking a lot of set pieces for us mm-hmm. last season. That certainly makes a big difference. I think um, just looking at delivery, it feels like this season we're hitting first man or just not being accurate with our deliveries in the box. And it feels like we're really not even getting as many corners, honestly, overall. And I don't have the numbers to back that up. That could be totally untrue. But um, it, oh, I'll bet that's true. I'll bet that's true. Like I mean, you got to figure we have so much less possession. That's I, what I was going to say. Be, right? I think that's a really good point, James. The possession overall is so much less. And so we're just in general, the chances we get, we've been creating, I think, good chances for open play, but just fewer in volume. And therefore some of those overall numbers, like you miss every shot you don't take and you definitely miss every shot you don't get at all. I don't know. I just coined that on the spot. So <laughs> that's brilliant. You, you're a budding philosopher. Clearly. Call me play uh, women. Someone. Yeah. That down. Yes. Seriously. Just change your handle. Um, so let's talk about defense. Uh, this one it's just shocking, honestly. I mean, we're six goals better than last year from open play in terms of goals allowed. But set pieces were also six the other way. I mean, this year we've conceded. Um, and again, this is in the league only. Seven goals, five from corners, two from set pieces. And we had conceded one from a corner last year. That's it. And a lot of that is it, it's personal. We'll get to the personnel in a second. but. I mean, I think there is some hope that it might be improved because it looked like the scheme might have been a little more aggressive with kind of the runners up in front of the zone. But zonal marking combined with the personnel, but the zonal marking is just I, I, you know, know I feel we've beaten this into the ground. It's it's the revision of the old debate, right? When Silva was here, there was a relentless universal frustration in the fan base with the set piece marking. Carlo came in, David came in, made adjustments and saw immediate dividends from that and immediate improvement, dramatic improvement. And now we go back to this similar setup to what Marco Silva was running and 
see similar results to what he achieved. So, you know, you can blame personnel, but there's also the, the tactical side of it. And we're just not competing to win these balls and, and getting beat too often, caught off guard, missing the first ball and then not reacting well enough and letting guys sneak in the back door, scramble up loose balls and, and bury them in the back of the net. And it's just so, so frustrating to be like on pins and needles every time we can see a set piece or a corner in a dangerous area. Right. And I think, I think the story also just kind of turns to, okay, we've had injuries this year. Right. And we'll talk a little bit more in detail about um, guys that we've been missing, but in reality, you also need to change your system to fit the personnel that you have healthy and available at the time. And so could there be a scenario in which maybe um, a hybrid mix closer to what we have could work if we had a couple guys back um, healthy and, and ready to play? Maybe, but does it work currently? Probably not. And in the past, as we we talked about in the team assessment, how much Rafa really likes almost every center half to be, you know, six, three, six, two and a ball winner, even the guys that can really play balls. So I think that makes sense. Now, it's funny. I just took a little spin towards stats. and I'm, I'm doing this quite off the top of my head. So apologize if it's wrong. But I mean, the corner numbers are pretty comparable. We're giving up a few more this year than we were last year. But P90, it's almost identical in terms of ones we've had. So I don't think we can point to volume at all. It looks very mm-hmm. comparable. Um, so it's scheme and, and, and a little bit personnel. So that being said, let's take a look at the personnel. So I think, I think, you know, because that's an easy way for us to maybe explain, you know, why has the performance not quite been as good, uh, not horrendous, but just not quite been as good. I, I think the first thing to look at is, you know, every window you make changes in personnel. So let's talk about the guys we've had come in. So Damari Gray's played 962 minutes. Townsend's played 878. Again, this is in the league. Rondon's got 434. So those are the three big ones that came in. Um, Hamez had played 861 at this point. Gilfie had about 400 minutes and Bernard had 168. Now, looking at them, you would think, I don't look at those guys and think there's massive differences in quality. Um, Hamez put up some pretty darn good numbers at the beginning of the season. There's no question about it, but conversely, Gray and Townsend have been both very productive as well. So, well, let's go through the numbers real quick. So Gray and Townsend each have three goals and two assists each. And again, I hate assists. You know how I feel, but let's just hit goal contributions for now. Hamez had three goals and three assists by himself. Gilfie had an assist and Bernard had a goal. So that's, that's pretty comparable. I mean, Thomas's yeah. expected exists is is XA last year was already 3.85 and gray and AT combined are 3.95. So I, I think it's safe to say that we were probably getting a little more service there from Hamez in general, uh, because, you know, you're looking, you're bringing new people, but they're still replacing other people. So, you know, you got to compare performance apples to apples, but anyway, I, I think, I don't think we can point to this. You know what I mean? I think the guys that have come in and have done pretty well. I don't know what your guys initial thought are. I don't think this is it. No, I, th- I think, I think in terms of, of net goal contribution, right. I mean, it's, it's pretty much um, even, I got honestly, even, even Townsend and gray, maybe slightly better. Uh, maybe. However, obviously, as you said, though, I mean, the, the biggest change here would be Hamas's numbers versus uh, you know, Townsend and gray a different position overall. Right. So, I mean, that's fair to say that maybe there's a, there's a difference in, in how that would be applied, but uh, there's one big one though. When you look at this and you think, I mean, in essence, you're, you're also exchanging set piece takers here too. 
Right. Um, and, and both Gilfie and Hamas had the same. I think they took the same amount of set pieces last year, at least the same amount of corners and took most of them. I mean, Dean was uh, not a distant third, but he was into the mix. So, I mean, in essence, that's that's part of your exchange. And you've seen the success and the, the biggest difference year over year has really been, at least in attack, the set pieces. I mean, there, there's probably something to that. I mean, it's hard to argue that and we did some math and, and did some analysis before about Dean and, and Gilfie compared to James. They were, they were all pretty darn good collectively. And you look at Gray and Towson, you think they'd be just the equivalent, but maybe they're not. You know, I mean, that that. It's hard to look and say that is your change in set pieces very much right there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's stark, right? I mean, the, the quality on the ball of Thomas Rodriguez, I think we've run it into the ground on the show. He's one of the best players on the ball that we've ever seen in a blue shirt without question. Look, Gray can serve a ball. Townsend can cross a ball certainly, but the deliveries on set pieces just haven't quite been there. Um, and you look at someone like, I think the setup is also slightly different where, you know, sure. in theory you had Townsend basically playing when he's not playing as a second striker, 10 for yeah, what? random reasons he's playing right. Attacking midfielder, r- right wing, which was Hamas's nominal position, even though he was more of a free range. Now we have the second striker number 10 role is more of the free roaming role where, Gray keeps playing again. We can debate the merits of that all day long, but yeah, we can. The setup's really different. The output is ultimately the same. And I think, I don't know if this is where we'd exactly look for what's driving the perceived downtrend at Everton. Maybe a little bit, though, the open play set piece argument. You know, open play sure. defense is better this year versus last okay. year. Hamas was in kind of a, a more of a free roll. So, so maybe, maybe set piece delivery. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But so let's look at the same players year over year, because I think this is the one where it's pretty, pretty obvious. So so we compared, you know, all the players currently on on the first team that was on last year and this year and looked at difference in numbers. And and there's some pretty big ones. The biggest, most obvious difference was um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin last year played almost a thousand minutes by now. He's only played 253 minutes. I mean, that's the biggest difference maker, I think. And then Andre is next at about 400 minutes differentially. Played a lot more last year. Don't think that's a massive impact. And then you've got Yerry Mina at 354 minutes difference. And Decore played, has played 202 minutes fewer this year than last year. There's some pretty big names. And I think it would be hard to say that Yeri, more Yerry Mina and more Dominic Calvert-Lewin certainly would help. The set piece stuff for sure. And if you recall last year, Dominic Calvert-Lewin was just en fuego. I mean, everything he touched seemed to be going in. That's probably, I would say, a big contributor to everything. And again, that's speculative because you don't know exactly how he's going to fit in a Rafa system. But I think we thought he was going to do and uh, do very well in the system. And him not being here, he just has such a unique skill set, especially on set pieces. This is probably a bit of it. Yeah, I think it's clear. Like anyone with the high test can tell you, we miss Dominic Calvert Lewin desperately for everything that he does, fulfilling the role of target man as well as being able to to make quick runs in behind the defense when needed. Solomon Rondon. That's that's what I was going to get to. Ryan is like, you know, we talk about the minutes Calvert Lewin has missed seven hundred twenty. You supplant that with four hundred thirty minutes played by Rondon instead. 
you tend to get some maybe less favorable results. Dominic Hover Lewin, one of the best aerial threats perhaps in all of Europe. Solomon Rondon was playing in China. So I think that, you know, no disrespect to the Chinese Super League, but maybe a little it, bit. It's, it's maybe clear, a little bit yeah. of disrespect. Then. Okay, maybe. Maybe just a little like underhanded <laughs> snap. But also the Yeri Mina thing for set pieces. Both defensively and offensively. Like I, I think the Mina defensively is the bigger one. Because I think Rondon's actually pretty good at defending set pieces on that yeah, near post is. in his current assignment. And and I actually don't think Dominic's any better necessarily defensively on defending a set piece. But the open play difference, I think, in terms of, you know, I, I think set pieces in particular, attacking set pieces. I mean, Dom's just unique. I and mean, there aren't too many people that can get up like he can and be as athletic as he can. I mean, it's clearly big, but I think the defending piece is a lot more Yeri mean and probably Decorey a little bit, too. You know? I was going to say Decorey is a big body and he tends to do pretty well in the air as well. But mean seems like he's your, kind of your prototypical guy that you want to be in that zonal marking scheme, I think, for Rafa, because he can actually stand still and still win balls, you know? Yeah, that and the fact that you compare Decorey with anyone that would fill in his spot. I mean, he's got a couple inches on literally any of the names on the list, especially in the air. Yeah, and it's been Delph, really. Uh, Davies once also. And I mean, JPG could, but, you know, he's played minimally. Um, he's been a non-factor. Yeah, he has. There's no question. Um, so let's look at the other side, too. I, I think one thing that is worth mentioning is that Benitez is getting a bump from a couple players, though. We'd be remiss not to mention that. I mean, Seamus Coleman's played 270 more minutes this year. Now, you may argue that's too many minutes for him, but we don't have another big right back to play there and we've talked what? endlessly well hey we had a couple served up but people didn't like them we couldn't agree you have to get like five people's approval to do transfers at everton haven't you heard um but but i think i think the big thing is that that may be too many minutes for coleman though in, in all honesty at this point we may be starting to get some diminishing returns but we did talk about the massive difference when godfrey or holgate plays right right back instead of coleman i mean the attack itself is stymied um, now Godfrey, Godfrey has played 264 minutes more this year. Anthony Gordon's played 244. Luca Dean has played almost 200. That, that is a big uptick. I mean, I know everyone's really happy with how Anthony Gordon's playing, but I think that's relative to expectations. I, I, I don't think, you know, he's, we're all rooting for him and everything, but he's still pretty green. Um, so the Coleman and Dean bumps are, are helpful. Uh, we've gotten 68 more minutes of the lawn, but you know, that's, that's minimal, but I don't think that, that that can't possibly make up for, I think, the losses at this point. So so I think it's fair to say to be objective. And I, I want to hear your thoughts. We're probably being hurt a little bit more at this point in the season by injuries than we were last season. Now, going forward, it may be a totally different story. I hope it's not or I hope it is. But I, I think that's right. I mean, I think this is safe to say we'll post all this stuff too on the Discord and and tweet it out as well in support of the episode. But I, I don't know. What do you guys thought? I, I think it's pretty conclusive, don't you think? Yeah, I think I think what's clear, I mean, three of those four guys who have played more minutes this season are defensive players, and one of them is a really young kid uh, who's still kind of finding his way. Furthermore, I think Luca Dean at this time last year was one of our best offensive players. Like he was creating chances. True. He's doing really well. Even though he's played more this season, he's been in a more reserved defensive role. Uh, I think that goes without question. We've talked about it quite a bit. Yep. Furthermore, Ben Godfrey was playing, you know, this was kind of before he broke into the side as a regular as he'd remain out of necessity throughout most of the campaign. 
this season he comes in with a bit of a reputation amongst Everton fans. And uh, we're going to talk about that maybe being a little jump gun jumping in a few minutes here, but he's playing more at his natural position. He has kind of done a lot of different played across basically the entire back line at this point for us. But uh, point being is I think that most of those guys being defensive, obviously tends to uh, not impact the, our ability to score goals quite as much. Yeah. And you know, the, the interesting thing about Lucas Dean specifically and talking about how he um, helps the offense so much, he has been in a more defensive role this season. However, he has also created plenty of chances, but I think a lot of people have seen the stat rolling around that. I think Lucas Dean still has not registered an official assist yet this season. That's kind of an interesting piece to consider when you look at, you know, goals for, but also goals against and his continued involvement. I mean, yes, defensive setup for sure, but also interesting to see that it's not being converted, you know? So it, it's, it's kind of a catch 22. I mean, how, how effective can he be serving it up if Rondon's still 10 yards behind the play? I'm not sure. I mean, he's, uh, good, he's good for one of those juicy one touch. Crosses, oh, yeah, I know. Like, They're so game, lovely. And uh, no one's on the end of them. Well, I think, Alex, you bring up a good point. Let's talk maybe about some of the guys that have played a lot of these minutes and the comparison and performances. So Dean maybe played a little bit less last year, but he's still playing significant minutes. And and the difference is noticeable. I mean, I think, you know, two out of the last three games, he actually had more than one touch inside the box. I mean, but that's two games. Only two games has he had more than one or zero touches inside the box this whole year. I mean, that speaks to how he's being utilized. So he is creating chances from deeper. The chances are not of quite the same level of quality. Um, but the fact that he doesn't have an assist, I mean, again, that just also speaks to how stupid assists are. I mean, I'm sorry. They they just are. You know, I, I just think if you have a measure like expected assists, why would you not ever use that? It's, it's simply a better. I mean, seriously, we're going to say that suddenly he's not as good at creating. I don't know. That seems absurd to me, but, but I think it's worth noting that if you look at kind of per 90 and again, he's not taking set pieces, but his expected assist per 90 is looks pretty close. I mean, it's 0.15 this year. Um, last year is 0.18, 0.18, 0.19, 0.22, the last four years. And his number of assists were happy to be consistent, but so, I mean, there's a little less quality. He's not getting forward as often. His defensive metrics are all up, and we've talked about this. But I'd say year over year, yeah, I mean, he's not quite generating as much offense. Doesn't look like as much of a threat. Um, but what about some of the other players? I mean, Keen has played a ton and played a ton last year. Pickford the same way. Um, I feel like Keen's probably been about the same. I feel like Pickford did not start off the season that well last year. Picked it up later, I feel like. When he came back from... Did you hear what he did in the Liverpool match last year? Just in Pickford, did you? Did you hear yeah, that? I did. Did uh, you? I remember it. Kind do of. you? Yeah, he uh, did us all a huge favor. <laughs> I remember correctly. There we go. There we go. Um, so, but what about Richarlison? Richarlison has has played um, comparable minutes. Um, his his performance has been mixed this year, but last year he was getting chances, just couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. So I can't really point to his performance year over year. Um, I think Godfrey and Alon are the two that we want to explore, but are we missing out anyone performance-wise year over year? Well, I, I think it's good to just highlight Jordan Pickford again. I know I was kind of flippant in that remark, but he has been pretty solid for us so far this year, both in his distribution 
and in uh, his shot shot stopping tendencies. I think last year, going into the season, he was what the second worst keeper the year prior behind. I mean, head of Keppa. Yeah. I mean, if uh, you look at, you know, expect a goal differential and then look at save percentage, I mean, right. both those numbers were really bad and yeah, he had big question marks and I don't believe he started off the season all that spectacularly and, no. and maybe Robin Olsen's competition helped. That might've been it. Yeah, it could be. And, and I think just going away with England for the world cup, obviously having a kid too. Well. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there, there's a lot that's happened to this guy. And I mean, that was a big, you know, dramatic thing. And he has to walk around Liverpool knowing that some guy made a Sean promise to take care of him. And I'm sure that was a big concern for him. I'm sorry. It's just, I'm trying to say that with a straight face. It's so hard to do, you know, we I mean, see that. Oh, God, never mind. I'm not going to get personal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's encouraging. Honestly, I think he's inspired more confidence. Uh, even looking back at some of the goals last year, I mean, he had those like back-to-back long distance goals, you know, the Leeds match. And then I think the Burnley match and those were good shots, but you're like, God, you know, and it just, wasn't kind of working out for him. Um, anyone else were Alex, anyone else we're missing? No, I'd say not. No, not really. So, okay. So let's talk about Ben Godfrey and, and Alon, because I think we've gotten some mixed performances here that um, maybe, I don't know. I think it's having some discussion and we're talking about it. So, so first we looked at just basic plus minus, you know, how the team performs when they're on the pitch and Alon is plus one this year. Um, ben Godfrey is worst in the team. He's negative six. Uh, last year, Alon was the worst on the team at negative four. Godfrey was negative three. Both were well below average. That might surprise some people. And again, these are limited stats, so I don't want to make too much of these, but it gives you some objective reality. Um, in terms of XG plus minus on and off, meaning as the net XG goal differential when they're on versus, you know, you minus when it's off. So if the team does well when they're off the pitch, that counts against them in essence, you know, uh, they're looking at contributions overall. And um, I think we had a lawn as, as the second best, his numbers look pretty good. Uh, Grays are the best on the team. Not surprised. Andrews Townsend are the worst. Now, again, it's a small sample size. And the reason being is, you know, towns that got subbed off. We scored a couple late goals against Southampton and, you know, that kind of factors in uh, Godfrey's are Godfrey is bad again. And last year, in terms of XG goal differential, it's the same thing. Alon was middle of the pack and Ben Godfrey was the worst on the team. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that. Maybe um, let's talk about Alon first, because it's definitely a mixed bag. So, look, I, I think. Is it safe to say when you guys observe that him to Corey seemed to be playing, playing the team was playing well, but you know, we noticed a lot of, I think, structural issues with, it didn't seem like either one of those guys really wanted to sit and maybe it was the center half's fault for not pushing up, but we felt like that area, that space between the back lines were, was really exploited a lot. And that's led to a lot of goals. So I, I think, that's why I look at Elon as, as a mixed bag, even though he's contributing more in attack. I don't know what your initial thoughts are in terms of his year-over-year performance. I mean, we're definitely getting more out of what we expect from Elon. But I think we had some questions whether he would do well in a Rafael Benitez system, and I think he's acclimating some, but still some issues. Yeah, I agree with that. <clears throat> I think he's, I mean, he's had quite a few different partners and different roles this season specifically. Good point. That's a good so, point. So, you know, we, we've talked about him playing in a two. Sometimes he's been a three a bit. He's had different partners, which dictates how he plays, right? I think even sometimes, maybe once or twice, Tom Davies came in and sat and Alon kind of advanced a bit more. So, yeah. 
to be to be fair, I believe that you know he he does have a mixed bag in terms of how he set up this year. Um, we know that he got caught out quite a bit. His positional play specifically has been kind of rough. Um, how about you, James? I was gonna say he he's so good at anticipating play, but there's only so much you can do when you lack that athleticism and you're getting caught out on the counterattack and he has to track back. He's not going to be able to run down a whole lot of guys. He's better when he's – and he gets dribbled by, right? I mean, he if he's yeah, flat-footed he, and guys are coming at him, he's going to get beat. He just doesn't have quite that lateral quickness. His his ability lies with his instinct and his – frankly, his passing <laughs> ability and ability in possession. Um, he can be a bit of a bulldog, and he's not one to shy away from a challenge. But I think to your point, you know, it, it's clear Rafa has wanted him to get up more and be able to contribute more on the offense in the offensive third and be able to pick passes. But you have to couple that with some discipline and some communication. And it feels like the lines of communication, we've talked about it between the defensive line and the midfield have just been all over the place inconsistent. And it's resulted in us getting cut to shreds. I mean, against wolves against numerous times this season, there's just been some really painful sequences of play where the, the midfield has just gotten run by without really putting up much of a fight at all. So I will bring up one number. So I took a look at all the goals that we gave up this year, uh, watched them all several times again, which is a real fun exercise. I really recommend that for anyone who's a fan of a team. Just watch your team concede goals. It's really a joy. Um, but <laughs> of our nine conceded goals from open play, seven of them I had a lawn with some involvement in. And the other two, Michael Keane mess up against Southampton, Ben Godfrey pass back against Wolves. So really, none of those were anything more than truly individual errors. Um, you know, now Ryan, quickly, how, yeah. how do you define involvement from Alon in the context of a, a conceded goal? Well, I'm happy to go through all seven of the open play no, goals. Okay. He had some Just involvement. Generally. No, I, for me, so I saw one of two things. It's a fair point. Again, it's judgmental. It's subjective. You know, I mean, he was involved in the play to some extent. Um, was he the key person? The biggest reason why? Well, he's a contributor. You know, and and some of these were system-based goals. Put it this way. I saw two different things. I saw either he was too far upfield and couldn't get back, or he was out of position, meaning as he was too aggressive. He was going after a ball ball carrier, and they played it behind him via pass or dribbled by him. Whether he overplayed someone, and I think that's the problem. I don't think he can sit. I don't think he has the positional discipline to do it. And I don't think when we get expansive, you can you can expect his athleticism to be good enough to get back. I think, and I, I'm, I, I wonder what you guys think, I think that's solved if we play in a three. Rafa doesn't like playing in a three. I mean, traditionally, he's been 4-2-3-1, 4-4-1-1. We've seen both of those with Everton. But I just think this personnel, it's a, it's a three-man midfield personnel structure. Or, or the 4-1-4-1 is fine. I'm okay with that because at least you have a sitter, someone that can play in between the lines. And Fabian Delph is doing that. And I think structurally, we looked much better, at least defensively, even if we maybe suffered in attack a bit, but, but again, the, the one thing, I'll, the only thing I'll say about him is, and I loved him at Napoli. I thought he was a great box to box player. That's truly what he was. He was exciting. He could carry it. He could pass it. He can create a bit from deep. We saw that when, when we signed him, we expected a little bit of that. My issue is again, it's a fundamental recruitment flaw. We should not be buying guys at his age, three-year deal. He's got, he's got a year left. We bought him to win, presumably, in the short term. We're not going to get an ROI from him. That is, well, yeah, but but again, that's 
you got to be aware where you are as a team. I just don't like this approach. It doesn't mean he's a bad player. I think he's a great player. That being said, that being said, I think he could be an effective player in a three. But who is it? Fabian Delf sitting behind Alon and Decore or JPG? I mean, do we give him another chance at the sitter? I mean, I would like to, or maybe they move in a box spot. I don't know. Does Andre Gomes fit back in? He could play in a three. He certainly can't play in a two. No, I, no but I'm, no. you know what I mean? I just don't see any scenario where even when DeCorey comes back, I don't like those as a two. Has Rafa seen the light? What do we think? Do we expect to see the three going forward? I think that just depends on injuries, to be honest. I think it depends on who's yeah. healthy and when. I think that I think that our attacking players also sometimes dictate how we set up. You know what I mean? Do you want do you want a 10, like a pure 10? Do you want to fit someone in the second striker role? Or do you want a third, you know, two box-to-box midfielders with your sitting midfielder? I think all of those things have to be considered in order to say, like, will we see a three? I hope we see a three in the near future and moving forward. Um, I just don't want to see Andrus Townsend in the other. I mean, that that's so dumb. I mean, of course not. But that's, yeah, that shouldn't even have to be a discussion well, it point. Did. It's just unfortunate that it has to be now. Yeah. I, I just feel <laughs> like he's getting some players wrong. I, I can't, I mean, Alon can't sit. Maybe that, I just wish he would have made that change earlier. I don't know, James. What are you thinking? Well, I think it's going to be very interesting the next month or two because our schedule changes. The difficulty of our schedule is going to increase dramatically. And so I think it's going to, in some ways, be rather revealing as to how Rafa views this side. Is he, and we've struggled for possession against some of, I mean, against QPR, for God's sake. But how are we going to, how are we going to set up against Manchester City, for example? In that situation, I think a midfield three makes a ton of sense tactically um, and, and would really set us up for sort of the <clears throat> coiled spring situation where we can sit back and then hit them really quick on the counter with, you know, a, a three attacking players. But you need numbers in the midfield to play against them. I mean, they're exactly. going to want to dominate the midfield. 100%. So, okay. All right. I I think it'll be interesting to see what happens then with Alon going forward. But I, I think we saw more of his best in the three for sure. All right, let's move to Ben Godfrey because I think that's an interesting dialogue and I know some people have strong opinions about him. So the real question about Ben Godfrey is, did we overrate him last year? And so, so let me, let me dial back for a second. So he right now is not on a good run of form. I think that would be hard to debate. And I think of our last 10 goals, he's had some level of responsibility for eight of them. It's not been pretty, you know, and, and it's and that's been recent. The beginning of the year, he wasn't quite doing what he's doing now. So some of this is bad luck. I mean, clearly, I mean, it's just, you know, it's not a bad ball playing center half and he plays one, you know, in springs a breakaway, you know, things like that. I mean, and maybe it's mental. I, I think some people maybe forget that he's young. Could that be it? Is he just still a young, relatively inexperienced center half? Is there an issue with him fitting in Rafael Benitez's system? I mean, some of these times he's been exploited has been in zonal marking schemes does he just need confidence what what do we think clearly the performance is not as good so what do you think i mean overrated youth system confidence mental i don't know i'm curious so what do you guys think i think i think the tough the tough thing about ben godfrey is his athleticism his pure spirit you did it again. Tackles. You two spirit. Spear. Listen, spear. he's never Tonian. Um, 
no, no, no. Seriously, though, the way that he can just like explode up the pitch, you know, I know that we've seen a lot of uh, I know you've probably seen one clip of him uh, putting in that like fantastic tackle at the top of the 18 against Liverpool last season. That's played constantly. Right. He makes a lot of exciting plays. He's extremely quick for a defender. He's got a lot of promise. And I think he makes he makes people get out of their seat. However, I think that contributes to the way that people view his performance, but also his level of performance. So to answer your question in total, I feel that 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 kind of contributed to the fact that we probably did overrate him as a fan base in general. I'll also say, though, and I'm curious to to hear you two's thoughts on this, but I would also say, though, that Godfrey throughout his time at Everton has never really gotten consistent minutes at one spot, right? He played three, diff- three, at least three different positions, right? Left back, center back last season. Yep. Probably center back the least out of the three. Close. Uh, I, Maybe that right back. He played a lot of left back. Yeah, he, I feel like he was split between fullback and center half. He played center half a few more times than I thought he did when I looked at the numbers. But still, I mean, it's right. still a, an even distribution, you know, at, at, at worst. And that's not easy. Especially when you are playing different sides too at fullback. Right. I don't know about you so guys. Like I was way more comfortable as a player on the left, for example, even though I'm right footed. I was just I'm more oriented that way. Like I play hockey. I, I like playing left wing better. I'm just more comfortable there. I think that's perfectly normal. Ironically, some people would argue his best position is defensive mid when he was playing a, a couple of years ago. I mean, really, it's kind of crazy. But I no, I I, look, I have to admit, maybe I was a little noxious about it last year, but I thought the idea of him like being our player of the year last year was ridiculous. Um, and yes, Alex, he's exciting. And his athleticism is a plus, though. I, I don't want to. Yes, that's probably overrated. The diving tackles and stuff are really fun and everything. But yes, I think that led people to overrate him as well. But again, when we bought him, this is a young, immature center half that got torched at Norwich. We talked about this before. I think there's some question of system fit, though, here, too. I mean, you're asking this guy to play center half, sit in zonal and be able to outleap people. It's not his strong suit. Not that he's horrendous and not that he can't be good despite being maybe six one, because I think his feet are good and his athleticism is so good that, you know, if he works on body position, he can get to people in the spots. But when you're standing still in a zonal system and guys are running at you, unless those blockers are really knocking them out, you're you're going to you're going to get beat. I mean, that's just that's just physics. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, do you, do we think do we think there's a mental issue here too? Well, I think players go through ups and downs, especially young players. And and I think if we tenders too. Yeah, yes, for sure. I mean, Michael Keane's done it. Mason Holgate's been up and down. And and I think if you wind the clock all the way back to when we first signed Ben Godfrey, uh, we were coming off of having missed out on on Gabriel, which Ryan you had talked about in some tweets. I think I did in the, the timeline here. That saga had lasted a few months, and then we kind of got Ben Godfrey in towards the end of the transfer window as what felt at the time like a little bit of a consolation prize. And I think people actually had pretty tempered expectations for him. That's and then true. he came in, and he had to do a lot of work at roles where he wasn't really intended to play in the first place. And so I think he won a lot of fans over, and, and in doing so, perhaps they got uh, blinded a little bit by the explosive runs forward, like Alex said, by some of those sliding tackles and really let those moments take on like a disproportionate uh, level of importance in his overall level of play, because there were moments of inconsistency for him last year as well. And I think that unfortunately had set the bar so high that 
when he regressed back to what he actually is, which is an inexperienced young player whose only real Premier League experience prior to Everton was for a Norwich side that was Swiss cheese conceding goals left and right. He hasn't really had a ton of experience playing in defensively resolute sides. And combine that to your point uh, with, with Rafa's system, he doesn't fit the traditional mold of what Rafa wants in center backs. And so I think he's got a lot of factors working against him and combine that with maybe a little bit of uh, mental fatigue or just. What about physical fatigue? We forgot about COVID. COVID, Right. I mean, I mean, he's, he looks like he's gotten, you know, a bit of his bounce back, um, but he didn't have. How long do you let that? How long do you let that linger? Right. I mean, you can say, okay, I have COVID right now. I'm, I'm doing this podcast. I mean, I'm not James a has never anything, looked better. By the way. <laughs> horrible. We did. Horrible. We opted against doing the uh, video tonight for good reason, because I look very disheveled point being, and, and I'm okay. So thank you for everyone's concern. Uh, when I, I wasn't concerned. So I know I, was well, that did Alex is Alex concerned. Some people were on Twitter. This was covered off air. You guys, <laughs> we didn't, we didn't just completely ignore his symptoms. And My be like, point right, is, no, it's a serious disease. I'm not trying it's to be a jerk. I, I don't, don't want to. I've had a very mild case. Ben Godfrey may have had it way worse. He may have long COVID. He could very well could very similar well be athletes, though. I mean, let's be honest. You totally ben right. That's my point is like we're the same similar height, fitness, maybe same level of physical fitness, same level of, of football skill. And I'm like four or five days in and I feel still not great, but so not terrible. we think a combination of a bunch of things, perhaps. What, what do we do going forward here? Because you need to get the best out of the guy. He's clearly a good athlete. Much like any young players, you want to put them in position to succeed. But I think a lot of people are banking on just plugging and playing Ben Godfrey this year. But I can't help but think in a Rafa system, Michael Keane and Yerry Mina is the right answer. That being said, I mean, is it their fault for not getting pushing higher and creating that space between center mids? I mean, ultimately, we've got yet another coach in here with a very distinct style and not everyone fits it. So... I don't know really what the alternative is. Uh, now, obviously, if Mean is healthy, do you just come out with Mean and Keen and let Godfrey watch a little bit from the bench? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's yeah. that's should be the universally understood decision to make, assuming Yuri Mina comes back 100%, he's good to play, right? But, I mean, so I think current circumstances, recent circumstances, just gives you the question, do I play Holgate or Godfrey? Um, I also think based on looking at the numbers, but but combined with the eye test on Mason Holgate thus far this season, you might got to go with Godfrey, depending on the side. Well, just, you might have to. As long as he's I not mean, playing Holgate, center Holgate's mid again. Not, uh, Holgate is not, is not as quick. Holgate is also not good in the air at all. No. So so what do you, what do you get there that you wouldn't get from Ben Godfrey except for lack of recovery speed. I don't, you know, I don't, he and takes, Godfrey's probably better, better with the ball too, to be honest, but. Oh, he definitely is. I mean, his first yeah. touch is cleaner. I mean, I, I, that's why I've been, I went crazy when I saw that Mason Holgate, he put him into play central mid, not even defensive mid. Cause we were chasing the game and you can see how uncomfortable he was receiving the ball with his back to the goal and just trying to control the ball in tight spaces. His ball control Mason Holgate is it's, it's, you know, you, you can see someone who could play that position physically. They have a soft touch. You know, they have tight control when they receive the ball. I've seen Ben Godfrey play defensive mid and, and do it very admirably. You know, he he's much better with the ball. Um, 
I think you sit him down at this point. I mean, he's on a really bad run of form. I mean, maybe the international break will help. You know, it can't yeah. can't hurt. Um, yeah, but, just one more thing I wanted to get in. Yeah. Um, on that sort of debate. I mean, three games into the season, people were ready to ship Michael Keane out. Right. So I, I think to some. You've been trying to, to ship extent, Michael Keane out now but, for like. The yeah, and that's my point exactly is that our center half choices tend to never really like the t- the the top two choices amongst the fan base is never consistent over like a month over month basis. Like every two or three weeks, it feels like there's a new guy. It's like okay, well, it should be. Besides, maybe Mina, I think, is pretty consistently in recent times at the top of that list. It's like who's going to be his partner? So Michael Keane, so Ben Godfrey. I think Mason Holgate's kind of fallen out of that debate, especially recently. But I think it's just a judgment call by the manager who's in the current better form and who's got the better trajectory. I think a spell on the sidelines can be just what a player needs to sort of get back on track and find their form again. Give me Kurt Zuma or give me death. No, oh, no. no. Dude, but 32 <laughs> million pounds for Kurt Zuma, you know? That no, being no, no. Said, the overarching be- point was simply yeah, that, I, to be fair, when he was I here know, on loan... I know. He was great. He actually was a consistent choice across the fan base. He was great. He was not, great. not that that price is fair or we should have done it. No, now. no, 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 but, no, no. but yes, it would be nice it's to have. Never no, but Zuma gives you, you know, the size and athleticism. I mean, he would be a perfect player for Roth. I would think now, ultimately we talked in the team assessment about players together, you know, and they have to make a decision on Yuri Mina here. You know, if he's not, if you can't stay healthy, can you keep paying him top dollar? If you lose him, dear God, I mean, you've almost got to buy two. So I, I, I mean, I say, I think you got to try and keep him, but you know, he's got two, two years left. Coat. Two kids in a trench coat. You think that's the solution? Year, I mean, uh, he you might think- need three. He's like six, five, right? Yeah, true. <laughs> fair point. So I, I, again, I don't know how that would affect our status with financial fair play, but anyway, or child labor laws. But I think the, the most important thing is though, that Benitez has normally had that combination of more of a steady Eddie beast in the air somewhat conservative, tough physical player. And then he's had more of an expansive ball playing player. That's what we've seen. But all those guys have all been had length, you know, been good in the air. So I don't know what happens. And the funny part is, I mean, I can't, I could see a scenario where Ben Godfrey ends up migrating back to defensive mid and we're going to have a lot of turnover next year. You know what I mean? It's going to be very interesting to see what decisions we make, you know, Delph will be gone. And now he's our miracle player. Um, So, and Alon, we have a decision too with, with anyway. So, Quick summation real quick. I think we've talked a little bit about some of the factors of performance so far this year. It's not been quite as good. I think some of the circumstances on injury and personnel, knowing some of these guys are going to return to Corey looks like he's going to return a little sooner. Um, I think that gives us reason to feel optimistic going forward, I think, because I think you can make a correlation between that. But I still think Raphael needs to do a little bit better job in terms of utilizing his personnel better. But I was very encouraged to see the switch to three midfielders. I think at least with the sitting player, I think helped us shore up our defensive situation. And, you know, I think you can only expand from that. But yeah, I I agree with you guys. I sit down Ben Godfrey and I go with Michael Keenan, Yerry Mina, if he's ready to go next match. Bingo. Done. Give him a second. Give him a breather. Let him take a step back and see how it goes. And save him from the inevitable shellacking that we're going to get against Man City. Just kidding. I think we're going to win. 
I no, really you don't. do. No, you don't. All right, I'm gonna be looking. I'm gonna be looking for your uh, score prediction in our Discord. Well, we've already got a 10 nil thrown out by uh, Clevy, so. <laughs> It's uh, ladies really and gentlemen, join our Discord. Discord. I mean, yeah, if you really want your spirits lifted, folks, invite.gg slash ATP is where you can find and join our well, Discord server. We will be posting, though, we'll post some of the graphics that we have in here and, and some of the numbers as well, so people can kind of peruse and look at them. But either way, um, this is our attempt to capture at least some of the factors we think of performance so far this year. Um, we're going to maybe put out some more stuff within the international break, but stay tuned. We got all sorts of content queued up later downstream hopefully in the near future and we may have an exciting announcement coming up in the next couple weeks as well but i don't want to spoil that one i'm just going to let it go yep some exciting things in the works behind the scenes um like ryan said we've got some great episodes queued up some content for you guys so stay tuned otherwise we already plugged the discord definitely join that if you want to follow us on social media you can find all the links at uh, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash USA Toffee Pod. That's linktr dot E-E slash USA Toffee Pod. Otherwise, we'll be with you next time following Everton against Manchester City. And until next time, up the toffees. Up the toffees.